Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Praise God. Well, I want to um, I want to go back into our series on the book of James. <clears throat> uh, before I do, I'll tell you just a quick story of something that happened to me this past week, which I thought was super cool. <clears throat> I was driving down 421 coming into town, and on the right side of the road, there's, there's uh, one spot where the road goes up and comes to the top of a hill. My wife's laughing at me. There's a spot where the road goes up to the top of the hill and it comes down into a valley. And right before the top of that hill, there had been some roadkill there. And um, like a buzzard had come down to, to eat the roadkill. And at some point in the process, he became roadkill as well. <laughs> and which I'm sure there's a message, like a, a principle in that, you know, like about what you feed on, I guess. But but uh, so for a couple days, this buzzard's body's just been hanging out there. And I was riding into work uh, last week or this past week, and I was in the left lane, and there was a pickup truck in the right lane, and it was a couple hundred yards ahead of me. And as it passed the buzzard, the wind from the bu- from the truck passing made the buzzard's wing go like this. <laughs> and so when I saw it, I just said, "How you doing, bud?" And I just gave him a little, just quick wave. And we had a nice moment there on the way into work. And I just thought I'd share that with you. Amen. These are the kind of things you have to do to psych yourself back up after you watch videos and make make you cry. Amen. I want to continue in our series on the book of James this morning and rearrange and reorient the pulpit here for a second. Um, But as we do, we've been, if you've been following with us, In this, our summer series on the book of James, you know that at the very beginning of each uh, sermon, we've taken a moment to review our core values uh, that we hold here at Hope Church. We have five values that that define our culture as a church, and we're taking just two to three minutes at the beginning of each sermon throughout the the course of this summer series to just re-emphasize and revisit our core values. So, uh, those core values are God's word. We, these are the things, the five things we value. We value God's word. We value God's presence. We value God's family. We value God's culture. And we value God's character. And last week, we talked about valuing God's family. Today, we're going to talk about core value number four, which is that we value God's culture. What does it mean for us to say that we value God's culture? Well, the word culture is simply a word that describes the things that you do and who you are. So when you talk about culture, uh, you're talking about the things that define and make up who you are. So what does God's culture look like? What does God look like? What defines who he is as he interacts with us? Well, the first one is honor. We believe in honor. We believe that that's part of God's culture, that uh, honor was made, is one of my favorite quotes, honor was made for conflict. It's really easy to honor when everything's going good. It's challenging to honor when something challenging happens. Amen. My kids, oh man, they love me. As long as I'm handing out candy, money, toys, you name it. Oh, daddy, we love you. The minute I tell them to do something they don't want to do, that's when honor has to kick in. 
So we love honor here because we honor God and we have honor for each other, you know? Our relationships are more valuable than the things that try to separate us. So, so when the enemy comes to try to pull at and pick at a relationship, honor prevails in that moment and says, no, I love that person and I love that relationship more than allowing it to get torn apart. The second thing we value of God's culture is excellence. Amen. Y'all know me, and if you've, if you've helped us with our setup team, you know how fanatical I am about things like the chairs being straight. Why? Because this is God's house, and it's his kingdom, and he, he deserves more excellence than anybody. I mean, if, 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 if we can be excellent for the world around us, if we can be excellent for our jobs, if we can be excellent for our bosses and for the people in our family, ought we not be all the more excellent for our father? Amen. Third thing is we value integrity. That's character. That's God's culture. God's culture is a culture of integrity. What's integrity? Integrity is when you do the right thing when no one's looking. Integrity is we stand by what's true, not by what feels good in the moment. Amen. That's the culture of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Integrity says, I don't change with the times. I don't change with whatever's going on. I don't change with whatever's in vogue or in style or in fashion. I stay true to God and to his character. And that's one of the things that we value here. So those are the things that make up God's, some of the things that make up God's culture. And these are the things that we value at Hope Church. Amen? All right, I hope that was helpful. We're going to continue in our summer series Hallelujah. Going to continue in our summer series on the book of James. Let's go ahead as we begin and make our confession of faith, and then we'll pray and we'll dive in. If you're watching, if you joined us online, you can see this on your screen. Those in the house here can see it on our screens. Let's declare this out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you. My heart. Today, I am growing in the things of God. We believe that we're growing in the things of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come before your word and receive from you today. Lord, to thank you that the Bible says in Psalm 119 that the entrance of your word gives light. We expect and we anticipate today that light is coming into our hearts. The light of your truth, the light of your goodness, the light of the gospel is pouring into our hearts. You're illuminating our hearts and minds so that we can see you, so that we can know more about you, so that we can know you more intimately. Lord, anoint my lips today so that I might speak your word with clarity and anoint the ears of those listening so that we might receive everything that you have for us today. And we give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Quick review, and then I'm actually going to camp on something from the review. I felt impressed in my spirit by the, by the Holy Spirit. I felt led to, to kind of camp on uh, one of the things that we talked about last week. But just a quick bit of review here through uh, what we talked about last week. Again, revisiting the theme of James, the theme of James as a book is maturity through divine wisdom and authentic faith. Maturity through divine wisdom and authentic faith. James is one of the more challenging books of the New Testament, one of the more challenging books of the Bible in, in general. Um, 
Matter of fact, uh, we were talking this last Sunday and chatting about the book of James, and Tim and I were talking, and he's like, man, this one's a tough one, this book of James. It's hard. He said, if you want, if you want to feel like a crappy Christian, read the book of James. I was like, that's no better way to put it. You want to feel like a lousy Christian, read the book of James, because what does it, what does it do? It calls us on our stuff. It calls us on our shortcomings. It calls us on our failures. It calls all of us equally. Nobody's exempt. If you're in the kingdom of God, God's desire for you is that you grow. Amen. And so we've been, we've been throwing that phrase around. Grow up. Grow up, man. This book is about maturing. And how do we mature? We mature through God's wisdom, through divine wisdom. Not through the wisdom that the world gives, but through the wisdom that comes from God. Amen. So maturity through divine wisdom and authentic faith. Now, how many of you are staying with the assignment of reading a chapter of James per day? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want to. Um, we, we've said that uh, if, you, if you haven't been here for any of this series yet, there are five chapters in the book of James. There are five days in the week, not counting the weekends, Monday through Friday. We, uh, we've got an assignment from the Lord to read a chapter per day. So tomorrow morning, Monday morning, what are you going to be reading? James chapter 1. Tuesday, going to read James chapter 2, and so forth and so on. And we're going to get so much out of it as we dive into reading our chapter every single day. Amen? A uh, couple points of review from last week. We talked about how many people desire the rewards of maturity, but how very few are actually willing to pay the price of maturity. Many of us desire the rewards, but few are willing to pay the price. Because it costs you something to grow. More than anything, it costs you your comfort. If you've ever gone to the gym, you know that this is true. If I want to get better in, in the gym, if I want to perform better uh, and, and lift hot, big, bigger weights, if I want to run faster, if I, whatever it is that I'm trying to do in the gym, it comes at the price of or at the cost of my comfort. Amen? Hallelujah. And this first chapter... James teaches us and talks to us about how to come through those discomforting, challenging moments in life and to come through them victoriously. I don't know if you remember this or realize this. Maybe this is news to you, but you were designed to live by God in total victory. You were not created by God to be a failure. Amen. You were not created by God to be a failure. God's plan for your life is not your destruction. His plan for your life is, is that you be raised up with him and be seated with Jesus in heavenly places and that you from that position live victoriously over everything that the enemy wants to throw your direction. Can you say amen to that? There's no reason for you and I to be down and outers. Amen. We're called to be up and comers. Hallelujah. We're called to be, to be greater than our circumstances. We're called to rise above everything that the enemy throws our way. Hallelujah. Amen. I just, you know what? You can get excited in church. You're allowed to. Matter of fact, church is supposed to be exciting. Church is supposed to be a place where we shout for joy. The Bible says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them continually say, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall sing of his praises all the day long. We ain't coming to church to have a down and out kind of time. Hallelujah, man. You can get happy. It's amazing to me how many people want to fight to stay sad. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I'm coming for you this morning. It's amazing to me how many people want to fight to stay bound, fight to stay depressed, fight to stay under, when God literally gave you everything you need to live above the circumstance. This is what James is talking to us about. He gives us five things. We're still reviewing. Gives us five things, five commands that we are called to do when life gets tough. Are you ready for them? Number one, count it all joy. Number two, ask God for his wisdom. Number three, glorify God regardless of your circumstance. Number four, don't cave into the pressure. And number five, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Man, if you'll learn those five keys every time life gets challenging, you'll come through every situation. There will never be a situation that gets you. There will never be a situation that keeps you stranded. There will never be a scenario in your life that will isolate you if you will learn how to magnify God when things don't look good. Anybody can say thank you when it's great. Anybody can shout for joy when everything's going good. It's when things are going bad. It's when challenges come up. It's when there's some confusion. It's when there's some conflict. Now, all of a sudden, I got to tap deep into my love for God and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to count it all joy. No matter what's coming at me, I'm going to command my joy. I'm going to take ownership of the responsibility you've given me to walk in joy. Hallelujah. You say, well, pastor, I'm just not a very demonstrative person. Yeah, so what? It's good. It's quiet. (laughs) I'm just not a very demonstrative person. Listen, everybody's demonstrative when it comes to things that they value. The same person that's not demonstrative in church will take their shirt off and paint their chest a color and scream like a banshee for their favorite football team. Amen. That same person will be the loudest one in the movie theater laughing when they go to see a comedy. That same person who doesn't get demonstrative will be the loudest one yelling at their kids when their kids are ticking them off. Everybody's demonstrative about the things that we care about. And here's the thing, even if you're not, the Bible tells us that we have to be when it comes to the things of God. Oh, oh my, really? Well, I just quoted you Psalms. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. That's not a suggestion. The psalmist David said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. David told his soul to be happy. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I don't feel like it. Do it anyway. Hallelujah. Do it. I'm saying, listen, I'm sorry if you don't feel like praising God. The Bible tells you you have to. (laughs) It wasn't my idea. It was his. Don't get mad at me. Amen. Glory to God. But here's the, here's the value, okay? Here's the thing that's so important. We have to learn that the situation that's trying to dominate us and keep us from raising a joyful noise, from lifting up a hallelujah, from blessing the Lord, that situation that's trying to hold us back is actually subject to the praise itself. 
The, the, the situation that's trying to hold you back is actually subject to the praise that you're having a hard time releasing. So that if you would release the praise, the situation would have to change. Hallelujah. How about, how about Paul and Silas when they're in Philippi? And what happens? They're on their missionary journey. They are doing the will of God. Glory to God. We are going to evangelize the world. It's going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be easy. We're going to go to every town and every city in the world. That, and every time we get there, the good news of the gospel is just going to be so joyous. Everybody's going to love us. And then they get to Philippi. And they beat them. And they whip them. And they throw them in jail. And here's Paul and Silas in the will of God in a jail cell. It wasn't because of their disobedience. Now, there's people who have gotten messed up and shipwrecked because of disobedience, but this wasn't one of those situations. They followed God. They went and preached the gospel, and they irritated people in the community. And those people in the community decided to have them thrown in jail. You can go read about it in the book of Acts. So what do they do? They went to therapy. No, they didn't go to therapy. Silas, who's that sitting next to you? Oh, he's a doctor. He said he'll help us. No. What did they do? They analyzed the situation, and they decided that the situation wasn't going to hold them back anymore. They were literally in bondage. They weren't just in an emotional bad spot. They were physically chained in a jail with a door that was locked, and they couldn't get out, and they were hurt because they'd been beaten up. It's the last time you had your butt kicked, like really got the snot knocked out of you and then got thrown in jail and locked up. Probably none of us have ever actually experienced that. What did they do? They said, hey, Paul, how you doing, man? I'm all right. This isn't fun. Yeah, I know. This is not a good time. Paul, didn't you say this was going to be like we're doing the work of God here. We're going out to the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. So why are we in jail? I don't know. What are we going to do about it? You know, Silas, I got a great idea. You remember that song we did at church last Sunday? The one that you really liked, the one that the anointing was all on? You remember that song? Yeah, I remember that song. Let's sing that real loud. But Paul, you know I can't sing. Paul, you know I'm not a demonstrative person. Paul, you know that I'm, I'm Silas. I'm fairly meek and mild. I don't like to make a big fuss. No, they didn't have that kind of conversation, did they? They started to sing and get, sing praises to God. And the situation that was literally physically holding them captive had to yield to the praise that came out of them. It wasn't until after they began to praise, after they began to count it all joy, after they began to take authority of their, uh, and take control of their joy, that was when, what happened? The earthquake came. The doors to the cell swung open. Their bonds fell off. Amazing. You see, we got it all backwards, guys. We got it all backwards. We want to wait for the situation to improve so that I can then give God credit for it. 
Can I tell you, that is walking by sight and not by faith. That is walking by sight and not by faith. Oh, Lord, you know I'll thank you once you get me out of this jam. And God's saying, I want you to thank me in the jam. I want you to praise me in the jam. I want you to count it all joy even when everything looks terrible, when everything looks like defeat, when everything around you looks awful. That's the moment that you give God praise because that's when the praise that's in you erupts out of you and the situation in captivating you has to change. Hallelujah. That's how faith works. Amen. It's a good review. We said we had to do away with a couple miscalculations. This idea and this miscalculation that trials and tests come from God. We said this was a miscalculation in people's minds that God's putting tribulation in their life in order to increase their faith or to teach them something. And we found out from James that that, 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 that cannot be the case. Very clearly in this passage, it says, God does not tempt us or test us with evil. Why, why is that? It's because there's no evil in him. He doesn't work by evil. Amen. Cancer is evil. Right? Manipulation is evil. These things, this persecution, it's evil. Abuse of every kind is evil. If it came into your life to steal, kill, and destroy, it didn't come from God. Amen. Depression is evil. Death and destruction are evil. And God, that's not how he works. He doesn't use evil to test us. So how, how does God teach us? How does he correct us? With his word. How does God test our faith? We can't do it through evil. He's not, he's not going to put, he's not going to try to put manipulation into a close relationship with you as a test of your faith. So how does God test our faith? It's very simple. He gives us something difficult to obey. He gives us a command to obey. Abraham, give me your son, your only son. Sacrifice him to me. That was a tough one, right? They prayed for years. Lord, give us a baby. God gave him a baby. Okay, Abraham, kill the baby. But he was willing to do it, wasn't he? How does God test our faith? He gives us something to obey. For you and I, it's not going to be the sacrifice of our children. That was a type and a shadow of Jesus coming to the cross. But for you and I, it may be walk in love with the person you can't stand. Pray for that person who, pray for that person you don't really like. Lord, I want to grow in faith. Oh, Father, increase my faith. Okay, forgive that person. That's how God tests your faith. He doesn't test it with cancer. He doesn't test it with sickness and disease. He doesn't test it with abuse. He doesn't test it with manipulation. He doesn't test it with fear. God will never test you with something he sent Jesus to the cross to destroy. He will never test you with something he gave you victory over. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm feeling froggy this morning. He will never test you with something you have victory over. He will test you in your love walk. He will test you with forgiveness. He will, te- he will test you by sending you left when you really want to go right. 
How does he test us? With obedience. How does he teach us? With his word. How does he correct us? With his word. With the voice of his spirit on the inside. Jesus said in the book of John that when, the, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you and guide you into all the truth. He tests us to see whether we're willing to follow him. But he doesn't test us with evil. Now, I got a little excited about it, and I'm still excited about it. I want to stay on this verse 2 for a few minutes. And then we'll finish out the rest of the chapter as promised. But he says, and I'll read it again for you, James chapter 1. Y'all doing okay this morning? Amen. Amen. Y'all, you, you, good, you happy? Hallelujah. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse types of trials and tribulations. Verse 3, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. What are you supposed to do every single time you fall into a challenging situation? Count it all joy. Do you remember the, do you, <laughs> somebody's going to get free in here today. I'm going to tell you this right now. Somebody's going to get free. Somebody came in here bound up with defeat and bound up with fear and bound up with anxiety and bound up with religion and bound up with all kinds of things. You got an opportunity to get free this morning if you'll let go. Hallelujah. What, it, what is that word count supposed to mean? Remember we talked about it last week? It means to command. It means to have authority. It means to lead you, are, you and I have been given the right to command our own joy in trial. We were given the right to command our emotions to do what the Bible says to do, not what to do, not to do whatever feels natural or feel easy, feels easy. It, let me tell you, the easy way out is always going to be to get anxious, to get full of fear, to get filled with doubt, to, to an, analyze and assess the situation. That's always going to be the easiest thing to do. The more challenging thing to do, the thing that requires faith of you to do, is to command your emotions, just like David did in Psalm 103. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I have to imagine that all that is within him in that moment didn't feel like blessing the Lord, right? But that's how, that's how you command joy. You tell your flesh and you tell your mind, I don't care what you think, I don't care how you feel, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts his trust in him. Amen? Let's go look at Psalm 34, just so you can see it on the page. My notes are just notes anyways. Hallelujah. Psalm 34. Look at this. Look what he says. I will, verse 1, Psalm 34. Sorry, Claire, this wasn't on the list of scriptures I gave you before the service. God bless your nimble fingers. I will bless the Lord at how many times? All times. All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will what? Continually be in my mouth. Sound like, sound like counting it all joy? Sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? Let's keep reading. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. So very important here. So very important. David does not say my spirit shall make its boast. And he doesn't say my flesh. 
He says, my soul. What is your soul? It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. It's your thinker. It's your doer. And it's your feeler. That's a good way to put it. Our soul comprises our mind, our will, and our emotions. My thinker, my feeler, my doer. So David says that my thinker and my feeler shall make its boast in the Lord. What does that mean? To make its boast. Let me give you a picture of it in the opposite. How many of you have been in a situation or know someone who's been in a situation that when you talk to them, all they want to do is talk about that situation? Right? Anybody? Maybe you've been that person. I've been that person before. Something bad happens to me, all I want to do is talk about it. Right? I'm just, I'll just tell you, I just, you know, this just was a rough time. And, 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 and my wife is so good at calling me out on this. She's the best. Just ask Joy Conklin. <laughs> Thanks, Joy, if you're watching. And yes, Perry, I have heard of John Maxwell. Amen. <laughs> Perry and I love John Maxwell. Um, no, no, my wife's super good at calling me out on this. I will be talking and going on because I'm a, I tend to be a nostalgic, in my feelings kind of person. It's just who I am. I wear my feelings out of my sleeve. If you can't tell whether I'm excited or not, you haven't been paying attention, right? My wife's so good at calling me out on this. Well, you know, it's just it's frustrating day to day. Such and such happened. I heard from this person and they said this and, and she'll be like, okay, okay, I got it. Yeah, you told me that already. She's so good at, at yanking the slack out of my emotional bad day. What is that? That's your soul making its boast in the situation. That is your thinker, your feeler, and your doer making its boast in whatever's going on. Oh, let me just tell you about how bad the situation is. Let me just tell you about how big the problem is. Let me just, make, let me just boast about how big this situation really is. David says, no, 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 no. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Not the situation. Not boasting about the problem. That's not what's going to be in my mouth. Are you awake this morning? What is going to be in my mouth is the high praises of God. My soul decides to make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What's verse 8? Verse 8 might be my favorite verse in the Bible. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't get to the taste and the see until you go through the I will bless the Lord at all times. You get, listen, the situation changes because you change the situation with your praise. With your joy, you command joy in all situations. Hallelujah, glory to God. You get in the face of the enemy when things don't feel good and you say, bless God, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. That's, that's Psalm 103. Bless his holy name. I want to give you a couple examples of this. Go to Romans chapter 14. 
You said, I thought we were talking about James. We are. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. Hallelujah. This is amazing. As you're turning to Romans chapter 14, let me ask you this question. When you, when you make the choice to bring joy into your situation, because that's what James is talking to us about, count it all joy, command joy. When you make the choice of bringing joy into your situation, what is it that you are inviting into the situation? Romans chapter 14 tells us, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is the kingdom of God? God's dominion. What is his dominion made up of? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Why is it that the situation that, that seems to have you trapped, we can use Paul and Silas again as the example. Why is it that, that the Philippian jail that seemed to have Paul and Silas trapped, why did that have to give way when they began to praise? Because when they chose joy, they were choosing the kingdom of God. And when they chose joy and invited joy into the jail cell with them, they invited the kingdom of God into the jail cell with them. They invited righteousness. They invited peace. They invited joy into the situation. And can I tell you that when you invite God's kingdom into something in your life, his kingdom trumps everything. His kingdom overrides and supersedes everything. There's nothing that stands in the face of the kingdom of God. The book of Hebrews tells us that the kingdom of God is the thing that cannot be shaken. We've come to this world, and in this world are so many things that are violently being shaken. But yet we as the believer have come to the kingdom of God, and it's the kingdom of God that can never be shaken. So when you feel like your situation is shaken, rattling, and rolling, you need to choose joy, and by choosing Choosing joy, invite his kingdom into that situation and let his kingdom trump and triumph over every situation. Hallelujah. Oh, but pastor, I just don't feel like it. That's hard. That's hard. Can I tell you, it's not as hard as you think. And there's a lot of reasons why it's not as hard as you think is you got the Spirit of God living in you, and you got grace from the Holy Spirit, you got grace from the King of Kings, you got a word that's easily accessible to you at all times. Pastor, that's hard to do. No, it's only hard to start doing. It's only hard to start. It, 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 you know, the, when, when your flesh wants to fight you, it'll fight you real hard right up until the moment that you decide to take ownership yeah. and that you decide, I'm going to do this because the Bible tells me to. And then you begin to praise and worship and talk to God. I'm telling you, y'all, I was doing it this morning on my way in. I was driving down 221, just me and the Holy Spirit, and I was shouting. I was shouting. Can you feel everybody get uncomfortable? I was so shouting to the Lord. In my car. What do you mean, Pastor? Hallelujah! Glory to God! 
Thank you, Jesus. You are the way maker. You make a way where there seems no way. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to church this morning. People are going to get set free. People are going to get delivered. God, we're going to have a glorious time in your presence. Oh, Lord, you bless me even when I don't deserve it. You care for me even when I don't deserve it. You love me with an unquenching, everlasting, faithful kind of love. Lord, I can't deserve and didn't do anything to deserve your favor, but you gave it to me anyway. Oh, I don't care how I feel. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. You can join me if you want. I don't care what it sounds like or what it looks like. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That's what it looks like. I just gave you an illustration on how to praise God. If you don't want to do it in front of people, that's fine. But don't let the devil stop you from doing it when you're alone. Don't let the devil rob you of a miracle just because it's slightly uncomfortable for your flesh to lift your voice and say, hallelujah. God, you're so weird. No, I'm free. Come on, I'm coming for you. You're this really awkward. You're pretty weird. No, I'm pretty free. And whom the son is set free is free indeed. You don't see me weighed down by anxiety, do you? No, I'll run a lap and shout for joy and do a cartwheel. Why? Because the son has made me free and I refuse to be in bondage another second of my life. Well, you better not say that. The devil might hear you. I hope he does. Bring it on. Not today. Woo! Come on, you charismatics, you're pretty wild. Yeah, we're pretty free. We're pretty free. Listen, I don't want to do it the world's way. I already figured out that that doesn't work. I listen, I listen. I don't want to do it the world's way. I don't want to go to society that can't fix itself to try to ask them how to fix me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Hmm. So the book of James. This, some of you haven't laughed in a long time. Some of you haven't laughed like I'm talking about a belly laugh in a while. Some of you have been weighed down by some circumstances. And listen, I'm here to tell you where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. And His Spirit is here right now. And you can be free. You can laugh. You can rejoice. You can be glad because God is good. And He's working in your life this morning. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm -mm. We say it's hard to do. No, it's just hard to start. It's just like a fire. It's just like a fire. It's much harder to start a fire than it is to tend a fire. All you got to do is get over the hump of your flesh and of your mind trying to stop you. That's all you got to do. Just get over that little hump of your flesh. And then... It starts to just erupt out of the inside. Oh, and you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you become the blessed man in that scripture who has put his trust in God. And all of a sudden, the thing that used to get you down is not getting you down anymore. Now, it may try again. It may try again later that day. I I've learned this from personal experience, okay, guys? I begin to command joy in my situation. Count it all joy. Man, I don't feel good. I just, did you ever wake up one of those mornings you just don't, 
You just don't feel good. You don't know why, but you just don't feel good. You just feel irritated. You feel edgy, whatever the case may be. I'm learning how to count it all joy in that moment and to just, when nobody's looking, Father, I thank you, and begin to worship him. And I'm telling you, you can't do that and stay down. You can't do that and stay depressed. You can't do that and stay under. Now, it may be immediate. You may stop, and the feeling may come back immediately. What do you do then? Do it again. No, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. This is one of those situations where you got to determine you're going to outpace the enemy. This is one of those situations in life where you just got to determine, I'm, listen, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'll go toe-to-toe, round after round after round with the enemy. Here's the beautiful thing about the devil. You want to know something? He's limited. He's only got so much stamina. You have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Oh my gosh, just about the time you think you get tired and you can't keep rejoicing and you can't keep praising the Lord and you think, oh, my flesh has really come to the end of itself. No, 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 no. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. You run and don't grow weary, not because of you, but because of the one that lives in you. But the devil, he ain't got an unlimited resource. So you can outlast him. You can wear him out every day. Hallelujah. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. Y'all got room? You got a few more minutes in you? Amen. This is feeding somebody. This is feeding your heart. Because you've been, there's people in here, one, two, ten, I don't know, people watching online. You've been bound ever since COVID. Ever since doggone COVID, you keep looking over your shoulder and going, oh man, I just wish things would go back to the way they were. I just haven't felt myself since before COVID. I just haven't felt, oh man, I just still feel weighed down by all the stuff going on in our world and in our country. I'm telling you, it's time to get clean. It's time to get free. It's time to let the joy of the Lord, just like a shower, rinse you off of all the devil's junk that's been trying to put on you for the last two years. Yeah, man, you can be free. Hallelujah. Mm. There's a story in the Old Testament, the book of Sam, 1 Samuel. It's right at the very beginning, and it talks about Samuel's birth. Samuel's mother was a woman named Hannah. Hannah was married to a guy who had multiple wives. Kind of an idiot, if you ask me. <laughs> I didn't know there was Mormons in the Bible. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> but uh, <psh. laughs> Hannah was married to this guy. His other wife was really mean. And, and his other wife had children, and Hannah couldn't have children. And so his other wife used to taunt Hannah and be like, I got all the kids, you got nothing. And this made Hannah depressed. Deeply depressed, deeply sorrowful. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 so you can read this. I thought we're preaching on the book of James. We are. (laughs) Count it. This is how you count it all joy. Don't worry. I'm going to land the plane at the end of the chapter in just about three or four minutes. Look at verse 9. 
of 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Hey, Shiloh, how you doing? Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she, who's the she? Hannah. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept with anguish. Look at the condition of, of her heart. Look at the condition of her soul, her mind, her will, her emotions, her thinker, her feeler, her doer. She was in bitterness of soul. She was in anguish. You want to talk about depressed. You want to talk about a bad day. This lady was having a bad life. Verse 11, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, I'll give him to the Lord and all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. This is wild. This story is just wild to me. Look what happens in verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, who's Eli? Eli's the priest. So she goes to church. She sits outside the church, weeping in anguish, crying out to God. And the priest, Eli, is watching her mouth. Verse 13. I'll read it from my Bible. Verse 13. There it is. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, so Eli thought she was drunk. This story is wild. This lady going to church, super in anguish, super frustrated, praying, but she's not really praying. She's praying in her heart, but she's just mouthing the words because she wants to look good because this is what people do. They don't know how to actually be free in the things of God, so they come to church and they mouth along. I'll leave that for later. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk, verse 14. And he said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Put this wine away from you, verse 15. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've neither drunk wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. This woman is having a tough time. She is bound. She is filled with care, anguish. Her soul is weighed down by sorrow. Watch this. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. I think this is amazing. This story is wild. Again, Eli had no idea what she was praying. He was trying to get her out of the temple because he thought she was drunk. What did he say to her? He said, don't worry, God's heard you. Go your way. You're good. Can I ask you a question? Had anything changed? Did she get a baby on the spot? Did she immediately go like, oh, I'm pregnant? No. Nothing in that situation changed in that moment. But at the same time, everything in that situation changed in that moment. Look at the next verse. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And she went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. What happened to Hannah? She believed that God heard her, and that was all she needed 
for her to command her own joy. She left the temple and she was no longer sad. Can I ask you a, a, a serious question? Was the situation, or excuse me, was, was Hannah sad because the situation was bad? Or was the situation prolongingly bad because Hannah was sad? Because when did the situation change? If you go to read the next four or five verses, you find out she went home, knew her husband. You know what that means? She went home, knew her husband, and became pregnant. And that child that was born, Samuel, was one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. The Bible said not one of his words hit the ground. He never missed it. Every time he spoke on God's behalf, it was perfectly accurate. One of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Can I ask you, when did the situation change? When? It was when she stopped being sad. She believed the Lord heard me, which I believe the Lord did hear. Eli was totally out of it. He was like, are you drunk? Well, you, your mouth's moving, but you're not saying anything. Are you drunk? You okay? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman of, of sorrow. I've been praying out and crying to the Lord. Okay, well, God heard you. Go. He didn't have anything invested in the situation. But as soon as she heard the words, God heard me. He's heard my cry. Now let him see my joy. She went home and she ate and she drank and she said, that's it. It's good. I dealt with it with God. I poured my heart out. I talked to the Lord. I gave him my petition. I asked what I want from him. And I know that he's heard me now. I'm confident. Let's eat. Let's have a party. Let's be happy. We're going to have a baby. And what happened? She had a baby. Was the situation bad because she was sad? I think so. James says in James chapter 1, verse 22, he goes on to say that we need to become <laughs> doers of the word and not hearers only. Because he says that when we're just hearing the word, we're deceiving ourselves if it's not followed by action. How many of you could say that, that you've found that to be true? We're a society that is just hell-bent on on information. We have more access to knowledge than any other human beings that have ever existed in, our, in the history of the planet. We have more knowledge accessible to us at any given moment than anybody in history has. Yet, we at the same time have the least experience of any generation that's ever walked the planet. We prioritize knowledge above action, but God prioritizes action above knowledge. Why am I telling you this? Well, for one, it's the end of the chapter, and I told you I was going to finish chapter one today. Number two, it's because we have an opportunity this morning to do what we've heard about. Don't go home from this service today and be like, oh, I got a great word about rejoicing and then not rejoice. Don't do that. Don't go home from today and be like, oh, yeah, pastor talked a great sermon about counting it all joy. Glory to God, it was great. I took lots of notes and then go to work Monday morning depressed. Don't do it. Don't do it. Why? Then you're just going to be a self-deceived person. You're going to think you got something, but you didn't actually get it because you didn't do it. <laughs> Stand up to your feet. Danny, would you come play just a couple of notes, a couple of chords for me, my friend?
We are going to put into practice right this second everything I've been talking and yelling at you about for the last 45 minutes. Hallelujah. Let me make sure this is turned up for you. Oh, yeah, you're good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I told this to you not because I think it's a flashy preacher thing to do, but because I know in my spirit when God talks to me and people came in this church this morning needing to be free. People came into this church this morning bound by fear, bound by depression, bound with anxiety, just torn up on the inside, still grieving over COVID, still grieving over things lost. I'm not here to tell you that whatever you lost or whatever you're grieving, that it wasn't worth grieving. I'm not here to marginalize your feelings, but I'm here to tell you that Ecclesiastes says there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. Hallelujah. What's the answer for mourning that's gone on too long? Dance. What's the answer for grief and weeping that has gone on for too long? Laugh. Oh, glory to God. What's the, the Bible says he gave us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you feel heaviness on you, it is an absolute signal to you that it's time to praise. It's time to rejoice. It's time to get happy. It's time to laugh. Come on, stretch up your hands towards heaven. And I dare you, I mean I triple dog dare you with, oh my God, with whipped cream and a cherry on top to praise the Lord this morning, to get outside of your circumstance, get outside of your feelings, get outside of whatever the devil did to rob you of your joy and say, hallelujah, greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If God is for me, who can be against me. Come on, we need to declare that out loud together. Say it. If God is for me, who can be against me? Say it again. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Oh God, if you're for us, who can be against us? Who can hold us back? Who can stop us? Who can defeat us? Who can bury us? Nobody. Because if you live in us, the devil doesn't have a chance. Hallelujah. Come on, you need to give God a shout. You need to give God a praise. You need to give the Lord a victorious shout. God, we bless you. Oh, God, we honor you. Lord, we choose this day to rejoice in you in the face of circumstance, in the face of problems, in the face of defeat, in the face of sadness. We will lift our voices and be glad. We will shout and be glad because we favor your righteous cause. Oh, God, we bless you this morning. Ha. You know, it's so easy. I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to be offended by it. So leave your heart open for a second. We've had such a powerful movement of worship in America, and really the whole world, but it seems like America and American churches have led the charge in a lot of ways in a movement in the last 20 years of profound worship. The Lord taught the church how to worship again. And we've gone into such depths of worship that the worship has become our default. Not that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Worship has in many ways become our default. But the thing that we can't afford to do is let worship come at the expense 
and in exchange for our praise. Because worship is what draws me into the heart of God to learn who he is and to experience him. But praise is the highest expression of my faith. And if if we're not careful, we'll worship our way in circles, forgetting that God actually wants us to learn to praise him because it's the praise of him that exalts his name in a situation and in an atmosphere and forces that situation and that atmosphere to turn and shift and change. That doesn't happen through worship. Again, please don't. I'm not knocking worship. Leave your heart open. I'm not trying to be offensive. I know people. I have friends. I've done this myself. They're desperate for breakthrough in an area of their life. And they're like, I'm worshiping God all the time. I said, that's great. Have you praised him? I Listen, I love... I, If you come to my house tomorrow morning at 5.30 in the morning, chances are I'm going to be sitting there worshiping the Lord with soft piano music. It's what I like to do. But sometimes soft piano music ain't going to cut it when you're battling a spirit of depression trying to get a hold of your life. Sometimes you have to step back and praise God in the middle of the circumstance. And it's not about, Lord, I want to be close to you and draw near to you. It's what a mighty God we serve. It's if God be for me, who can be against me? Oh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, Lord, I exalt you because there's nobody like you. Praise tells God about how big he is. Praise is the thing that exalts his name. And when you exalt his name, his kingdom invades that space and takes authority over everything around you. So I don't want us to worship today. I don't want, I mean, we do, we have, I love worship. Again, disclaimer, okay. I don't want us to end the service with worship. I want to end the service with praise. I want to end the service with shouts of joy. I want to end the service with people that are laughing that ain't laughed in a while. Come on. I, listen, you can, I'm going to do it until y'all do it. I'm going to stay right here until y'all respond. I'm, I'm the one with the microphone, okay? We got to do this, guys, because listen, you've been held captive long enough. You've been bound long enough. The miracle that you've been asking for is waiting on this behind this thin veil called praise. And if you'll just praise, the miracle will find its way to you quickly. So throw your hands up in the air. Open your mouth. Tell God how good he is. Tell him how big he is. Tell him how great he is. Oh, God, we exalt you, we praise you, we glorify you. You are bigger than our problem. You are bigger than our defeat. You are the one we praise. You are the one who is great. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. We shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We shout unto our God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Be exalted in this place, oh God. Be exalted over our families. Be exalted over our children. Be exalted over our homes. Be exalted over our nation. Be exalted over our city. Be exalted over our state. Oh God, be exalted in this place. We worship you and we praise you. We bless the mighty name of Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, what are you laughing at? Doesn't matter. Ha, 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 ha. 
sometimes you got to laugh at the devil when you don't feel a laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I got the victory and you don't, Satan. I'm loved by the king of kings and you're not. Ha, 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 ha. Whoo. Say you're weird, preacher. No, I'm free. I'm free. And you can be too. Ha, ha, ha. I'm telling you, it'll get a hold of you if you let it. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. You, you're smiling. That's good. Hallelujah. Is, what, what, listen, is it the heaviness of the Lord that is our strength? No, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. The heaviness of God is needed when you when when you've got to knock down some Jericho walls, but but when you're fighting against depression, it's the joy of the Lord that makes you strong. Ha 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 Woo! Oh yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo! The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Ha ha. Yes. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Listen. We're not going to let it just happen in church and then go back to being home and go, go to our jobs and go to our houses and, and go back to normal. Can I tell you something? Normal sucks. Normal sucks if normal means depressed. If normal means under the circumstances, that's not good. That's not God's best. God's best is joy. The Bible said he gave us joy, unspeakable and full of his glory. You want the joy of the Lord in your house? Laugh. Yeah, down in my heart. Woo! That's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands one more time. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.